0: We shouldn't have left you without a dope beat. Step two, step two, step two, step two, step two, step 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 step
1: two, step step two, step two,
2: step step two, Uh, For another episode of Eat, Pray, Judge, this is Gabe Pacheco, and as always, I'm joined by... Sammy Humane. And today, we are going to be uh, discovering, talking about, dissecting, deconstructing High Fidelity, which came out in the year 2000, with our very special friend and guest this episode, the internationally traveling stand-up comedian, (laughs) author, and musician, the one, the only, Mr. Jim Tews. Hello.
0: (laughs) <laughs> i've animated things directed things sometimes i play the guitar and occasionally i travel and i've written one book yeah that was half pictures to You're, different
1: countries too huh yeah nice
0: this you, year this year I, well no I've, I've done international stuff before but it was like i was on vacation in germany and did two shows you know but this this year was the first year i went to like I mean, I did an Armed Forces Entertainment tour. Oh, cool. And we went to Africa and Egypt. Um, I think that was it.
2: I've never... Uh, I haven't done a USO tour yet, but I think about that scene in Apocalypse Now all the time where there's like a Bob Hope type tour happening in yeah. the middle of uh, the, the forest, the jungles of Vietnam. And like yeah. all the troops go crazy when they see a couple like hot young play bunnies yep. coming out. And uh, they almost riot, so all of the all of the acts have to get back in a helicopter and get off the base before pandemonium breaks out.
0: That's what it was like. That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> That's just Apocalypse Now, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. How,
1: did, how receptive did you find the German uh, comedy audience to American
0: comedy? Oh, they, well, they were like expats, oh, but like gotcha. from all other countries. It was just an English-speaking show. Mm-hmm. And it was like... It was a total like hipster bar show in Berlin. So, yeah, it was it was a blast. It was one of the most fun shows I've probably ever done cuz I was on vacation with my family and snuck away and was basically just like I'm going out tonight. If you don't only get concerned if you don't see me in the morning. And then I just like went and, you know, found my people.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's it's magical to do comedy in another country and have people laugh because you realize, oh, this is universal.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, I talked about being, the the stresses of being on vacation with my family. That was my set. I just like started talking because I was just like, I need to get this out. Yes. Because uh, I was like, you know, in my 30s at the time, and you're not, you don't vacation with your family typically, you know, I'm sitting in a hotel room with my dad. Oh, like with your parents' family. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not my own, not my my children and wife. Like, right?
2: Then you probably that'd be even (laughs) more hilarious if you're like, sorry, okay, the kids are asleep. I've
1: given them Benadryl. Yeah, uh,
0: (laughs) if you don't see me in the morning, get concerned.
1: (laughs) As long as you don't end up in a sex dungeon, either way, you're probably good.
2: Yeah, but it was a blast nice uh I now I'm now I'm picturing a reboot of European vacation where you're playing the Chevy Chase character with, <laughs> with your family and, and my dad's <laughs> rusty
1: <laughs> just trying to book open mics so yeah sh- show his family a good time
2: yeah so uh, so Jim today we're gonna be talking about high fidelity which um, you recommended that we rewatch and uh, well I, I, I remember seeing this I think it, uh, personally um, in a haze. Maybe in the late two thousands, like two thousand five or six. Okay. And so, I because I didn't see it when it came out, uh, which would have been around like me being in college. My friends that did see this in college, specifically my guy friends, loved this movie. Yeah. Um, and then I think I just saw it in passing. So th- to sit down to watch it today was the first time that I really absorbed this movie and I wish that I'd seen it as a, as a younger man I think I would it would have resonated a lot more for me. Yeah. Yeah. But watching it now it was a flashback to like oh man these were like my boys in college. Right. And like caring about music like this. Just and also that pre-9/11 world. Like that 2000 before uh, before music was so easily accessible.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things I remember the most about that—that's like a memory that's attached to this yeah. movie—was I saw it. I didn't. I know I didn't see it in theater, so I must have seen it when it came, like when it ended up on video, like but very soon after it came out. I know that much. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and this was like early Napster, LimeWire days. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. And I like, I downloaded. Everything like from the from the movie soundtrack, but like not as an album. Like you literally just had to like find a thing on the internet that was like these are the songs that are in the movie High Fidelity, and then go find them, and then I pieced together this like mix CD illegally of the High Fidelity soundtrack.
2: I love that that it, you you went on a um, on a scavenger hunt.
0: Yeah, totally. And and it like I was not. I was, um, I was into music when I was in high school, but I didn't have like, like I had a couple good influences that people, guys that were like older than me that were like here, listen to this or listen to that. But I didn't have like a older sibling or, you know, any of those things. And I didn't really hang out in record stores too often. So this was like a world that I thought I probably belonged in, (laughs) but never, (laughs) never uh, got fully into it. So then when I found that music that led me to like a lot of other things that I ended up liking a lot.
2: Sure. And this was pre Shazam. So when yeah. you hear a song on this, you have to wait until the credits of the movie. And, <laughs> and, then,
1: and then pause yeah. it, pause the screen. <laughs>
0: yeah or or like try and sing it to somebody who might know (laughs) that's the original shazam yeah you go find like your uh your friend with asperger's and
2: you hope that you have to keep a good pitch and tone and melody Mm -hmm. because even with like uh with songs i know so well uh and i try to hum them to amber she'll be like what are you what is that yeah like she i'm terrible at like holding a holding a melody
0: it's hard to memorize a melody that's a special person who that can like repeat from memory right right. vocally
2: and then also i'm terrible at karaoke because i don't remember the lyrics to songs i'll be like it's the song about the sweater it's yeah yeah yeah. and then when
0: it starts popping up on the screen you're like ah shit i only remember the chorus of this song because it's the title
1: right right right. (laughs) i feel like that's what made hip-hop so popular that stuff's just ingrained in your mind after you hear you hear the song twice. Oh, the lyrics. Oh, the lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics-wise, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, for sure. It's like Mother Goose rhymes for adults. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah. So when did you, uh, Sammy, did you see this, like, um, when I, it came out? Yeah, I think I
1: saw it right around the same, like, the, the, the same time frame Jim did. Uh, I, I never, this would never be a movie that I would see, seek out in a the theater, but I definitely saw it within a year of its release, I guess. A couple of times. And I remember my 20-year-old self uh, really... Enjoying it and siding with him, yeah, in almost every respect, um, <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah. You know, everything just made sense. Like every like relationship issue he had, I was like, yeah. You just see it through like a like a closed minded male perspective, and then you know, watching it again in in a much more adult age, uh, was a different take a little bit.
0: I I, it, I remember like seeing it and not because I didn't have like I had like minimal relationship experience by that point in my life. And I was just in – I had, like, gotten out of high school and then was in the military at the time and, like, ended up stationed in Cleveland where I had my own apartment and stuff. And I was living a very, like
2: – The Cl- Cleveland is the city that needs to be protected by yeah. the – Yes. Well, <laughs> what was it? What service branch were you in?
0: The Coast Guard. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a joke about this, but <laughs> people forget that the Great Lakes uh, – <laughs> are the maritime border between us and the terrorist nation of Canada.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've so, seen Canadian
0: bacon. Yeah. Little, yeah, we don't want we don't want them down yeah. here.
1: The maritime battle of Cleveland was a big one in that film.
0: I had an office job. <laughs> and it was pretty sweet cuz honestly uh, I just like all I had to do was not do drugs and try and keep myself sane and I was like Making an okay amount of money, I have my own studio apartment in Cleveland. Do
2: they call? Was there a name for like office dudes in the Coast Guard? Like were you guys like dry boys?
1: Like, pe- like, yeah. I mean, they would call you paper
0: pusher, pencil pusher. <laughs> pencil <laughs> sure. Yeah. Eighties
1: cut to eighties uh, action movie <laughs> cut downs. Yeah. It's a matter, yeah. man. Hate Coast Guard dirt. got you pushing too many pencils.
2: Okay, so you're in Cleveland. Yeah. And uh, and you're in your watch, and you're and you're in the Coast Guard, and you've got an office job. And I was like, just, I, I stopped, I, not, I, it's not that I tuned out, it's that I focused on those things, so mm-hmm. I didn't hear the rest of the context of this. This Oh, is okay. This when you saw so, this, or? Th-
0: that's when I saw this, yeah. and I was, in my mind, <laughs> on my way to living that uh, slacker dude life. Right. You it's, know what I mean? But it, it was also, like, impossible for me, because you can't be slacker dude, in uniform. Yeah. Like I'm, I was doing the opposite of what a slacker would have done. So maybe that's why I was like this is the, this guy's living the coolest life and I'm probably going to go experience a bunch of this uh relationship garbage like he does.
2: Right. But had you been having a lot of relationships before No, this no, that was the thing. Like so. I,
0: didn't, I didn't I didn't have a girlfriend really until the end of high school and then I went off to the military, and so did she. But she went to a different branch, and we like broke she's, up.
2: She's Air Force.
0: She went Marines. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So you have a type. I, I guess
0: <laughs> not really. uh Yeah. No, I only date Marines. <laughs> <laughs> um Which is why, yeah, that's that's why I joined uh, the right. Coast Guard. I was like, well, hopefully I run into. I should have joined the Navy. <laughs> ended up on a carrier just being all types of female marines yeah i saw uh, she came to this is a total (laughs) sidestep i hadn't seen her in 20 years yeah and i did a show in my hometown like three weeks ago Uh uh-huh and she messaged me and was like hey uh your show's sold out Not bragging but uh (laughs) your show's sold out Online, but like um, my mom and I wanted to come. Is that cool? And I was like, Yeah, I got you. And then uh, she came with her mom, and it was a, a winery gig in like the mountains of Eastern Pennsylvania, where my dad lives. And they got drunk and heckled me. <laughs> yeah, totally. like in a in a lot. And not, I should let me clarify. I'm not defending heckling because it was outright heckling, but it was that kind of heckling that where people think that they're participating. Like, I, I'm
2: just helping your show. It was like
0: a weird participatory heckling. Yeah, huh. you know? and it was, I mean everybody at the show was drunk. It was a total shit show, but it was, Yeah, it was, she was. she had just retired from the reins. She actually stayed in and made a career out of it.
2: Wow.
0: But, yeah, that was my last, that was like my only experience with real heartbreak up to that point. And then I was just dating girls that I would meet at like coffee shops or like bars that would somehow let you in if you were 18 or not card you at all
2: yeah sure so you were (laughs) you're going to youth rec centers yeah basically
0: (laughs) i would go to this like oh god in full uniform it was yeah it was such a weirdly like exploratory personality kind of time because i was like i was also into making music but i had like turntables and a sampler and a keyboard so i was like doing a lot of that silly stuff and i I would I would go to this like uh this bar had like a, a underage like basically like hip-hop dance night so
2: you were like the kink wizards
0: I was like the I, that's probably the closest because I was also skateboarding a lot Yes. I, I was I was one of the kinky wizards
2: yeah you were the <laughs> you were the kids that that's, yeah. that's the next generation those were the zillennials, I'd call those guys yeah because they're teens in this movie in the 2000s. So they were like more uh, analogs to like what what my or your age probably was, as opposed to Cusack. Yeah, right. Yep, he's, uh, he's yeah, he's a full blown adult in the 2000s.
0: Yeah, but I wanted to be more like Cusack.
2: Right. You were like, I w- as soon as I can get rid of these turntables and I can just start my own. Uh, yeah, and I'll get a pick up record shop.
0: Yeah, pick up that guitar again and really get back into it. Um, but I I, don't, I just remember like fantasizing like, oh man, I. I can't wait to have these, this like string of, (laughs) string of girlfriends that, uh, (laughs) that I perceive as ruining me. And I, I got my wish. Uh, (laughs) so much,
1: so much less poetic in real life. It is. And then it
0: happens. And then, like, it, the thing that happened was I, I ended up in a very long relationship in Cleveland. And then when that ended, I was like, um, 25, 26. I forget how old Rob's supposed to be in the movie.
1: I was actually curious about that because I know at one point he says he was 26 when he was dating the rebound, the mutual rebound relationship. Yeah. And then I'm I'm guessing like early Early 30s. Yeah, Yeah, Taylor. Exactly. I I, I think early 30s if that.
0: So I went through my major dating phase of like string of like, you know, six month to one year relationships in my mid to late 20s.
2: Were these move ins?
0: One of them like, was okay. Nice. Yeah, one of them was. It was like there was a, a couple weird little parallels, and then I'm like, and I've rewatched the movie several times, and I, I was also I have I think this is worth pointing out. Like when we we talked about this off mic, but like watching that movie. In a, from a political or socio political kind of perspective of what like the way things are now, you're just like immediately hate that guy. And you're just like, <laughs> you're an idiot clearly. But then you have, it is pointed out to him. That's like the development of the character is that he it's, it's revealed that. Yes, he was a f- the <laughs> shithead yeah. the whole time. I, yeah. it's, but it's weird how I didn't, I didn't see that. Totally. When I was young, oh yeah, I see that. Like I saw that like later on, where I was like, "Oh right, yeah."
2: So, so yeah, so high fidelity. This movie is about uh, this guy Rob, played by John Cusack, and he is the owner of Championship Vinyl. And he, the movie starts. It's all from his perspective. He is the narrator, and he breaks the fourth wall and talks to us.
0: Yeah, so it's based on the book by
2: uh, uh, Nick Hornsby, Nick Hornsby. Uh, who wrote this book in uh, 1995, and or that's when it came out. But, um, but just as a brief synopsis, Nick is he, he's a record store owner, he's a former DJ, and we're getting everything from his perspective, his point of view. So naturally, we're the audience is supposed to sympathize with him. And throughout the film, um, you start seeing these sort of chinks in the armor, these places where he might be an unreliable narrator. And he, uh, it starts with his living girlfriend leaving him. To go and sleep with the upstairs, his former upstairs neighbor, Ian, played by Tim Robbins, and as he tries to reconcile um, this breakup, he becomes introspective and looks at his past uh, four relationships. Uh, His top five; these are his top five breakups. So Laura, his current girlfriend, is part of that. But he tries to excavate his past, and uh, and so yeah, and then he learns some things about himself. Going back and looking at these old relationships, yeah, that's so. That's basically the the movie. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. And it's a coming of age story, um, even though Nick is in his mid thirties. Oh yeah. yeah, it's a coming of middle age movie. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's the story of a man child or a dude who's in arrested development, um, figuring out what's really important in his life uh, and and reevaluating uh, his his uh, past relationships. And I think when you watch this movie as a young dude. Uh, it's easy this movie is different depending on how old you are when you watch it yeah right like because when i saw it uh i thought oh man it's cool he owns a record store that's awesome oh he likes all this cool music i want to like this cool music mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh and and he even brings up that his philosophy at the time was it's not uh what you're like it's what you
0: like yeah, which and and like I, I I remember hearing that again last night when I watched it, and just going like, oh my god, that was that was truly like a predictor of what the way things kind of work now in a very heavy way because we we're very like, you know, cu- cultural tastes and entertainment tastes reflect who you end up hanging out with and who you're friends with. We like majorly identify with that stuff not just like record store nerds or comic book nerds but like that's Uh, a yeah that's a weird identity
2: (sighs) politics nerds sex nerds we're all nerds now everything is is nerd everything is nerd culture and in that i mean nothing is but it's like that we are we we fetishize these um superficial things now yeah and every and and it's totally (laughs) so but I was actually thinking that it was so it was different back then and not in a positive way. It's just that now, like I was talking to Sammy off air about this, like now, uh, it doesn't matter whether or not I've memorized how many uh, Bob Dylan albums there were because I have a phone. So yeah. like you and I could argue over when something was recorded and you'd be like, It's seventy five and I'd be like, It's seventy six and like who but who cares? Because I can just Google it. Yeah. And be like yeah, no, this is when it came out. We were both wrong. It was 77. Yeah. We should both just kill ourselves. I mean, I think
1: now it's so much easier to find your lane or your specific sub genre of stuff that you like because you can find anything. You know, for these guys to find each other, I guess you just have to open a, you <laughs> know, had, a comic book store or record, yeah, record they store had, they had right, to, like, and find each other <laughs> that way. You had to build the
0: temple <laughs> to get the disciples, <laughs> to get the codependents. Yeah. The Barry and uh, Dick.
2: Yeah, yeah. So well, let's well, let's uh, talk about championship final for well, a minute. Okay. Then, what a cool space <laughs> that was. Yeah. To uh and and honestly, uh, I think like this is. I'm watching this movie last night with my lady, and she's just like, she fell asleep after like 30 minutes. But uh, it was so interesting to watch it with my partner and her, like hating him right off the bat. Yeah. And there's so many things to hate about Rob. as well as but he does have i mean he's not a hundred percent a villain though like there are there are these positive traits in his life like the fact that he was able to open a record shop
1: yeah that's a creative endeavor yeah, the cost of living in Chicago at this turn of the century was not it looked looked really inviting. Honestly. I love when you,
2: said, when you said turn of the century. I, I, at first, I thought like soot, <laughs> uh, soot covered walls, chimney sweeps, bugging. the Industrial
1: Revolution, dead dead horses, very different on
2: cobblestone <laughs> streets. Dead. Just like an old British person with a wheelbarrow, like asking you to bring out your dead.
0: Wow. That.
1: <laughs> um. That just spanned a lot of a lot of the All... history. <laughs> the plague How'd that get in there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> witches being burned at the stake yeah, in the Commons sure. of what used to She's be this park. Like yeah.
1: um, but yeah, technically, was the turn of the century. Yeah, I wonder. Like everything just looks more affordable to me
0: right now. No, I, but it had to have been more affordable right. because, like those se- things like that, like record stores and. Music scenes don't start in expensive places. The sure. good ones don't. I mean, They're... I guess there's probably some around here that are starting in expensive places. But yeah, you got to be able to afford to be there and do those, you know, be an artist or whatever. Yeah, now you need a critic, it. right? Or a critic.
2: Yeah. Now you'd need a corporate backer. It'd be like the Vice Magazine yeah. record shop,
1: you right. know? Yeah. You need three separate investors. Or you'd have investors. to be in a very
0: bad part of. Uh, a very like sketchy neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, which I think he kind of points out. He says, "I I open up a record store in a place that would get like the minimal amount of foot traffic." <laughs> right. That's like right. one of the things he took. he's narrating. Yeah. You know, setting him setting up his character.
2: So it's people people who want to go there are making a pilgrimage to go to his record shop.
0: So. Yeah. Also, I this was because well, I, I started thinking more and more about you know being a um. And a possibly emotionally stunted uh, s- uh, straight white guy who likes music and stuff, I'm, <laughs> I'm going like, what's my version of this, or where does it fit into what people have any interest in or tolerate <laughs> as far as entertainment goes? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because imagine there are there that guy still exists very much so, but it, is did, would he ever be able to write? I mean, of course he could write the book and. Publish it, but would anybody go like this? Is ca- yeah, I'm like warming to this or whatever. This is interesting, and I think everybody would just be like, "Fuck you." Uh, but it, I was gonna say, it just reminded me of uh, Fleabag. Okay, which have you seen Fleabag? I haven't, but, oh, but so, have so explain
2: it. it very briefly and like how it connects to this.
0: So Fleabag is about uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge's character, who is essentially like an emotionally stunted woman can't like keep maintain relationships. She's a sex addict, like just constantly destroying things or in her view, but also trying to fix herself, but then not fixing herself. And you know what I mean? And it's like one of those things like you hate her, but as you see, she's trying, you hate her less. And it's, you're watching somebody live this life that does still look exciting and fun. Yeah. But it's obviously not great.
2: There's like progress and momentum. Yeah. And then there's backsliding. And then, which feels more like real life. So, you know, uh, I was going to, again, you know, I was going to say, well, there's so many reprehensible things about uh, uh, John Cusack's character, Rob. But there's also so many things as a, like, guy growing up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I identify. I was that guy at some points in my life. And then you see him trying and getting better and, like, backsliding. So, I think what you're getting at with Fleabag is like we've just got a media landscape now where there are more voices being heard going through these similar sort of universal yeah. uh, journeys of being a shit bag and then getting better. Yeah, her.
0: and we didn't we didn't have that before, but now it's an opportunity. F- I mean, ideally, yeah, this is great. This is the opportunity for everybody from any from regardless of gender or whatever to just go. Yeah, I'm I I, I could be a real piece of shit.
2: Yeah, like um,
0: I don't have to strive to, <laughs> to. I don't have to be this like glamorous hero or this precious person just because precious character because I'm a woman because we've seen every version of guy in a
2: right in right. a movie
0: being like TV glorified show. being glorified yeah
2: <laughs> yeah and it's uh when you uh, there is a con- more contemporary version of this film that we've even covered on this podcast mm. which is we did 500 Days of Summer
0: oh I've never seen that oh that's which it's a good
2: one. which has a couple. Um,
0: that was like 2008, something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and there's a there's what what it has happened in that though is that the main, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's character is very much uh, stuck on summer. Yeah, and and then which is kind of <clears throat> which reminds me more like the Catherine Zeta Jones character in this, but also uh, he is fixated on as a more immature dude fixated more on pop culture. Like he identifies with her cause they like the same music cause they right. have the same aesthetic. And then, um, realizing that it's really working on himself that makes him a better person. So in that film, it's like going to architecture school. And in this one, it's, you know, it's Rob, whenever Rob is like actually being active instead of being a critic, being a creator that he's like a better person. Yeah. So like, Creating Championship Final is one example of that. Uh, being a DJ, like, in the film, he's like, when I was a DJ, that was the happiest time of my life. Yeah. You know, and then, and that's when he met Laurie. Right. Or Laura. Laura. You know, when he's out there doing, the, being, being awesome. Right. Or when he helps the kinky, the kinky wizards <laughs> start their record label.
0: Right, instead of just accepting that they, or, like, punishing them for stealing.
2: Yeah, the
0: yeah. The records.
2: So so those are those brief moments of growth that yeah. Rob has in this movie. It takes
1: him a very long time to, to become self-aware. and I think he's on the L at some
0: point. He
1: figures out, he's like, oh, I cheated on her when she was pregnant.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you left that part out? Yeah, I, I also like, <laughs> I like how this movie, like, um, we. I, I also want to talk, I'll, I'll, all right, I'll remember this. Yeah. <laughs> um, it moves along really fast. And, like, I have a, terrible attention span sure uh so <laughs> this the way this movie moves as i was re-watching it because I, I don't have like a super vivid memory of a ton of movies but this this is one of the few yeah you own this where i'm movie. like yeah and uh and i'm like hey, yeah we watched it on dvd
2: yeah uh, not not even blu-ray <laughs> no Old not school. even blu-ray
0: dvd yeah to, we watched it you know uh i mean it was in the right aspect ratio but it, there was like black around the screen because it was Letterboxd for four three, uh huh, and the preview. Going back to let's go oh, the sidestep again to uh, so like socially relevant things. The one of the previews that was ahead of this on the DVD when we popped it in was Deuce Bigelow Male Gigolo. Yes, <laughs> and we're watching that, and we're just like, whoa, like <laughs> Whiplash. Yeah, like this movie. I remember nobody having a real problem with that movie uh, when it came out, and like, like you know, just my douchebag guy friends quoting it and just being like, "Pop this Bigelow in again." Like we, it was one of the movies that was on, I believe it was on video when we were. Yeah, it was when when I was on, uh, I was stationed on a ship for a while, and we would get movies and from the D- department of defense or whatever hell yeah dude and,
2: donald rumsfeld's like have some films, yeah boys. <laughs> no they that's what they
0: do you get them in, they, when they come out in theaters they go to military bases and uh ships and stuff and deuce bigelow was one of those movies that i mean it's a ship full of men uh, did, there was yeah. <laughs> one woman on there that was an officer so we're all just like sitting you know in the uh Birthing area, like, watching Deuce Bigelow and then, like, quoting it all the time. And then you watch the trailer again and you're just like, I don't know how you would approach this movie today.
2: (laughs) Right. Like, how do you pitch this to the executives?
0: And he is, like, when you look at his, not to sidetrack on a totally different movie, but I was, like, talking to my, my partner about it. I'm like, is there, like, if you look at him, like, yes, he is a prostitute. But he's very nice to these women, and, and I'm like, does that do anything? We need. And you, a,
1: he had good intentions, right? He yeah, he had to good intentions. Repair a fish tank that he broke.
0: Right. Yeah, but it's like, wow, that, that felt like. I don't.
1: Know. Yeah, I don't think they pitched that movie to anybody. It was an Adam Sandler. Production. Oh, I'm sure so it was he just had Adam, his own studio and just pumps out yeah, Rob Schneider like, movies. Make, so Adam Sandler <laughs> would
0: make would make that movie again. He makes just a, because. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, actually I think it's a really important film to raise awareness of the plight of male sex workers. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's that's, Maybe that's irrele- the, <laughs> there. That's the lane. <laughs> um, but I like how fast the uh high fidelity moves. It's a very like you're being deli- like the scenes are short, you're being delivered new information yep. in a way that's just like super compelling and you don't there's no point that it really dragged. I don't I don't know like yeah, no. when you break it down into, the like, book, subsections, I to. too,
1: I think it works really well. You know, he had, five, yeah. like, five ghosts of relationships past or whatever, and then, like, each one had its own... It was just a timeline that worked for the movie's pacing, I yeah. I, I agree.
2: I like, uh, I mean, just in terms of writing, it, it feels like good comedy structure because yeah. of the... Uh, be, in the way that a joke has a, a premise or it sets up an expectation, and then there's a twist and a new revelation in the punchline, and that in that uh, robs the way that Rob uh talks about himself, and then you you're like, oh, he's a nice guy because of how he's presenting himself, and then he and then he uh, undermines that. By yeah. telling you what really happened, yeah. yeah,
0: or another character comes in and is just like he cheated on you yeah. while you were pregnant? and it get yeah that gets really Joan, and those
2: Joan. those that's like perfect comedy, uh, yeah, perfect like the the math of comedy right there. It's it's yeah. great, and that's and we could jump into his uh, his journey with his with his exes, and each one of those uh, <laughs> kind of does that so well, like the the middle school his middle school first love who yeah. he made out with yeah. for 3 days.
0: Why did he bring that up? <laughs> I guess your for- <laughs> it made it made an impact. Yeah,
2: so your it's a Jeez. you know giraffes, right? Like when you have a, a <laughs> giraffe, it's first imprint, mm-hmm. it's first it's brain is still like figuring out how to wire itself and um whoever the dominant adult is and in it's in it field division, it just I anchors as its mom. So like if you take The mom giraffe away from a bunch of baby giraffes and you just put like a RAV4 out there in a safari, then those uh, little baby giraffes will grow up to think that the RAV4 is their mom. And then as they become uh, pubescent and start like humping things, they'll like try to have sex with other. They'll be
0: attracted to RAV4s.
2: That's all they'll, that's it. They not even Suzuki Sidekicks. Nope.
0: <laughs> no, no CRVs. Nobody. The drafts. Nobody wants the yeah. Sidekick.
1: <laughs> no Corollas. Except
0: That's, for the no Dukes and
2: the,
1: the house party movies.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, but I think you know whoever you maybe this is this is why she's so important in this. It's his first imprint. His
0: first. Yeah. His first. You know. I remember my middle hurt. school girlfriend. Yeah. That was my first, and she uh, broke up with me over the phone.
2: Wow. Yeah. Was it a three way call? No. I'll bet money there was
1: somebody
0: on the other line just like quietly listening. Probably my dad. <laughs> He's <just> like <laughs> landlady. Oh man, can't wait! I do remember my dad. <laughs> I remember coming out of my bedroom and be, like being, you know, crying. <laughs> And uh just be like, don't me and my dad's like, What's the matter, buddy? And I'm just like, Oh, Jody broke up with me and he just started laughing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Fuck this, I'm gonna join yeah. the Guard."
0: He's like, Ah, <laughs> all right and just like patted me on the back. Yeah, that's he was a, like
2: that's another first imprint. He's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, for sure. Any
1: breakup before we, you're twenty five. Another doesn't podcast. <laughs>
2: yeah and uh and he call so he calls her uh mom i guess answers her mom is just yeah yeah a, a wine mom total wine mom just drinking mm-hmm. uh oh right <laughs> and he he does such a great job of of just arguing with the mom on the phone like i was her first boyfriend just shattering the whole
1: mythology yeah of this other of this family because she
0: married who the mom thinks yeah, is the first boy? She's like no her, yeah. and then she
1: uses his name. She's like no, she's Mrs. Barry whatever Jenkins or like, yeah. who says that? Yeah, what else that? What way. An and then asshole. she calls
0: Rob the wrong name when <laughs> yeah, he's
1: like okay Bob yeah <laughs> okay Bob. I mean he's he's such a self absorbed asshole though. I mean like why? Yeah, I mean can you imagine even having to take a phone call like that? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then the second one his high school girlfriend penny man great this girl if this is something that uh <laughs> that would become a by today's standards everything about this is just super problematic that
1: was the <laughs> deepest part of this movie by far their conversation yeah their, yeah there was revisit. The, it was
0: that was the other thing is the when you look back at that like that conversation that he has with penny and then the one he has about um igno like when they when laura has the abortion and he admits to being self-righteous about how it's his kid too and then kind of acknowledges that yeah those are two like things that are not that are we're like progressive thoughts. so you know that would fit today
2: that's right he uh what <laughs> amber was like he's like a men's rights activist <laughs> he almost is, yeah, you know, uh, I, I mean, and it's not that he he doesn't end up that way, but there's, you know, just flirting with these ideas. like he's just he's just evolving as a guy. yeah, and uh, he's falling down and skinning his knees and saying problematic things that might get him canceled today, but that at the time, you know, he gets he gets through it., uh, but this penny thing, that's like uh, feeling entitled to a woman's body in high yeah. school. Trying to pressure her into sex at 16. Yeah. And then feeling, uh, and then and then putting his hoodie up and being like, what's the point of hanging out with you if I'm not going to get any?
0: Right. Yeah. Real common. <laughs> real common guy attitude. Yeah,
2: it's just, it's asshole guy behavior. And then uh, when he goes back and revisits her um, to find out that she, he, but in his mind, he thought that she rejected him. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that uh, she remembers it as him dumping her. Yeah, and that her next experience was like uh, pressured, pressured sex. Yep. You know, after him. So and, and, he and,
1: takes and, away the worst point in that whole situation. <laughs> He's like, you know, she basically said that she was so heartbroken that he left her that she slept with the next guy. she said, she's like, it, I, she's like, it wasn't necessarily rape, but it wasn't far from it. Yeah. So he basically ruined her sexual experiences for like a long. And the one thing he takes away was, yeah, I broke up with her. That's right. <laughs> yeah, fucking dick. Right. Check please. Like yeah. he's yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> played for comedy. Yeah, played for comedy. But uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that uh, like we're talking about first imprints, first experiences. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, Penny. He ruined Penny as her first experience.
1: He, yeah, he got so. left. with a girl that he made out with in seventh grade who ended up marrying the guy she left him for. And then this, you know, poor Penny has had her whole sexual life changed.
2: The one that I was happiest with uh, was his uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones.
1: That was the lightest one.
0: yeah 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 yeah. that was the most fun yeah
1: (laughs) she was the second worst person in this movie
2: right 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 well i don't know how bad she was really but in his uh, like that's how we're to interpret her right and i get that it's like she was too in his life he's the coolest guy he's the critic he's the judge yeah and he finally met his a girl who was more yeah she was judgmental
0: His his self-righteous yeah cooler his his match in narcissism (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: narcissistic <laughs> equal. Yeah,
2: yeah. What happens? Two two narcissists can't get together. I guess, right? No, it's it's like,
1: like positively charged ions.
2: <laughs> yeah, but when he re- when he realizes that she's a narcissist too, and he can leave with a clear conscience, that's like the best case scenario of meeting meeting up with an old ex. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, perfect. You're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm so I'm I'm. It was right for us not to work out. I would have been miserable if we were together now. Yep. and it's your fault. <laughs> uh it's always nice to be able to point the finger at someone else and not take the blame. Another sad one though was uh I love this actress who plays uh Lily uh oh, Lillian Taylor. L- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's awesome and she was with John Cusack before and say anything. Yep. But, yeah, so they've got a nice uh, re- uh chemistry already. Uh but man,
1: uh sad girl? Mhm. <laughs> Dude, she plays sad girl in every everything
0: she's in yeah yeah. She's didn't say bl- anything she, she's like writing songs about that guy six yeah. feet
1: under she was sad oh, I didn't oh see wow yeah but uh dude that's the best
2: meeting up with somebody and uh she just she, uh, this is pure comedy too just uh topping how sad she is like yeah. the medication's not working yep. I'm unemployed
0: <laughs> grabbing his hand and just like looking at him <laughs> are you single <laughs> that, like that made me go like oh oh yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you get it Yeah, the only time she smiled is when she left him she was like I've just found somebody new with a smile on her face yeah, <laughs> uh, and, yeah. Then, and
0: then well the, another interesting thing is like story wise you go like because he says as he's like walking away out down the hall talking to the camera he's like I could have had sex right back there and then it makes you go like oh is he is he starting to like learn something possibly
1: but also it made me feel like i was like is this kid in high school
0: yeah yeah that too
2: (laughs) right well because he's bragging to us yeah like guys fyi just so that you know i could have gotten some with
0: that you know
2: yeah but i do get the idea that he is learning too like he he was instead of like going for the uh uh the easy sort of uh instant gratification right it's like oh no it would have been sad you know (laughs) yeah
0: yeah. Yeah, you're not it uh, like you're not having sex with that person, you're having sex with like a shell. Right. Yeah. Know, memory or something like that. It's like he puts it really Yeah. really well because that ex sex is just the worst. <laughs> yeah, if they're that sad. <laughs> yeah, when it's like when you're like like when you know that was another thing where he talks to as I'm like watching this again now. And then I can connect a lot of the more, emo- more emotional parts of it where it's like, he asks Laura to stay. He's like, you know, like, you're already here. You're like, why are you leaving now? Like, why don't you just stay one more night? And then, like, in my head, I'm just going, like, I know being that when this is going, like, just want you to stick around and then, like having that happen and then be like why did i do this so as i'm watching him do that i'm like no 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 don't don't
2: yeah rip (laughs) the band-aid off rip the band-aid off yeah go now just be sad by yourself at home you've got
1: all your records bro get that process started as soon as humanly possible (laughs) you do not prolong the inevitable when it comes to breakups uh
2: and uh but there's so many other and then uh, aside from that that just the other great um, cameos and actors and actresses in this film, yep. like Lisa Bonet is in this, yeah, and she doesn't play one of these exes but she plays a really cool—I don't know, like like I, I I thought of her as an angel <laughs> of mercy in this, in the beginning, like when I saw it younger, and now even now I'm like, oh, she's just awesome in this.
0: Well, he, she's like she is awesome in that, and she's also the, she kind of represents his like. You know, cause he's got these, he's still got these like teenage guy fantasies where he's just like, I want to bang a musician. Yes. You know, I'm going to be so connected and cool that I, I participate in this world in that way. Like I, you know, like you'd think would be cool when you're like 18. Yeah. So then he goes and get, he gets that experience. Yeah. Which I feel like gives, you know, he doesn't admit to it. Not being like awesome or whatever, but then there is kind of that like thing at the end where, you know, he's like, "I'll call you," and she's like, "Yeah, okay." Like, "What do you think? I'm an idiot?" You know, and he and he can't. It's fantasy fulfilled, but then now that he has that and knows what it's like,
2: right? Right. Well, she doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking about her character as like not being sort of pathetic or being used or being right. like a victim of him in some way. Like, yeah it felt like an equal footing, like one night stand. Yeah. Right. If
1: that makes sense. No. Of yeah. Course. Like she... that's what I'm
0: saying. Like the way she reacts to him when he goes, I'll call you. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, right. You're yeah. Like she that's literally like,
1: you, says, you like, don't have to call me. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. This is, <laughs> yeah. this was fun. It's, it's peace.
2: Yeah. She was, uh, and I liked her saying that sex is a basic human, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just sort of like, she just represents this world that where it's like not entangled in like the emotions and not entangled in this, uh, commitment. Or, like, it's just a passing thing for both of them. Um, But I just, I also just liked her because of her music, man. It reminded me of going to music open mics. And uh, I've always loved watching, having a singer songwriter breaking up the the sadness of stand up comedy.
0: Right. (laughs) Or you see somebody do a singer songwriter thing that you have no idea who they are or whatever. And then, yeah.
1: Yeah, if you're pleasantly surprised, you pleasantly you're surprised, really excited. It's like yeah. seeing good. It's like seeing good improv. <laughs> that
0: one out of forty times,
1: you're like, right? Wow, that was actually great. Yeah,
2: you're like well, that transcended. <laughs> ever it broke, it shattered all my expectations.
0: And then you're like, was it good because it was good, or was <laughs> it good because oh, I've only ever seen bad? Right,
1: because I manifested it. They <laughs> needed it to be good. Yeah. So uh,
2: Lisa Bonet, and then uh, and then the other like. Breakout characters for me. uh, Tim Robbins.
0: Yeah, he was great.
2: Crushing
1: it
0: in this. How did
1: you all feel about the the character
0: of Ian? It's perfect.
1: I feel like I live amongst (laughs) a lot of them right now. (laughs) You all right? (laughs) They live above you. You can't go to sleep at night
2: because of the uh, passionate lovemaking you hear from the Ians in your apartment.
0: Yeah.
1: Or the Blue Apron cooking.
0: (laughs) It's... (laughs) It was it was interesting too. Like, I mean he he just nails that character yeah, as like perfect. The opposite of Rob, but the the interesting thing is like Ian's still the same kind of narcissist that Rob is. Yeah. He's just makes more money and is like and um, uh, projects maturity more than Rob, right? But he's obviously still just like you know an o- old an older bachelor, right? was like you know wants to have sex with women who admire him in some weird way
2: yeah yeah i uh i i thought about him being representing though like this forward moving growth whether or not that's maybe it's just him projecting that but the fact that he's like trying to cook pungent cuisines yeah and maybe failing at it but he's out he's out here trying right you know and uh and the fact that he's listening to new music uh we're looking at this again through um rob's uh point of view yeah Yeah. it's like this guy's listening to like whatever the trendy new world beat is bulgarian or or yeah yeah. whatnot but it's like oh well is he out here like really is he growing in ways that rob isn't yeah he's at least looking for something right right you know he's into conflict resolution right (laughs) So okay, I was like, this guy's got a high emotional intelligence. He's out here, He's out here having sex. And people are excited about having sex with him. But and maybe
1: he's just an apex predator, and the one yeah. thing that he wants, he'll do anything he can to get and manipulate it. You know he, does, he seems like he has one focus in mind.: That's what I'm saying. yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's how I,
0: His end, end game is yeah. a little similar to Rob's. It's just a different version of the uh, same.: Yeah. And, and right. I think he also represents, like for Laura. Where Rob's sleeping, hooking up, sleeping with this musician that he fantasizes about living that life. Lara's like, I need a guy who makes money and tries new things. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go test these waters. Yeah. So she's doing what he did with the musician, which kind of gives them both a, a little bit of a full circle to come back. You, uh, yeah, you get the
1: the grasses greener syndrome. That's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what I got out of that as well. Um, but he's the only character. I think Tim Robbins' character is the, the only one that makes. Uh, you know Rob's character somewhat likable in certain contexts. Like that guy is so awful that you yeah. are like Rob, you're, you're 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 not great, but yeah, I I'll take I'll <laughs> take you know you over ten of those those guys.
2: I think you're you're personally triggered by Ian's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are Ian's your chads? <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh,
1: I, think, a... I think adult men with ponytails and uh, tinted sunglasses in general.
2: That was uh Don't
1: rub me the right way.
2: One of my favorite scenes in the film is the one that is the confrontation between Ian and Rob. When they oh, are, yeah, the mo- a,
0: like the alternate scenes. Yeah, I like that yeah.
1: one. Where, uh, Dick
0: rips the air conditioner out of the wall, yeah, just <laughs> finishes him. I love so the, the Eric
1: being rock him. I love how they use three different songs for the same, you know, alternates for, for three different alternate scenes. Yeah, cutscenes. Yeah.
2: Really. I, I love the critical beatdown, the last scene where him and all of his friends beat him at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, but that that was a Brechtian acting um, technique.
1: That yes. was ultramagnetic, right? Oh, Wait, what's that? Oh, well, the critical beat time. I, th- the, I thought you were being yeah, scattered. no.
2: But in theater and acting, like mm-hmm. you'll they'll do it's kind of like an improv thing where you'll create a scene of tension and then uh, you'll play it out, and then someone else in the audience will be like, "Stop, okay, start back at this point again." Ah. And so you can replay. They're like literally just breaking down one of these acting exercises to create that montage because you have the exact same scene played four times. And that is, uh, it's ironic, not ironic, but, um, coincidentally, that is how you'll teach somebody in a conflict resolution class, how to resolve a conflict is you'll (laughs) role play it and then stop it. And then somebody else will jump in and try a different thing. And so this is Rob going through his conflict resolution. It's like, yeah, do I say, uh, ultimately he says nothing. But, like, do you tell the guy to fuck off? Do you uh, try to beat the guy up? Or do you not engage? He doesn't say anything, does he? That's the, I think yeah. that's the reality. Right. The real one, you know. It's a, yeah. And that's, like, in comedy, too. All the times that so much of uh, my creative process is, like, wishing that I'd said something. And
1: then oh, yeah. and then wandering around the streets later. Like, <laughs> replaying it. <what> good... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Especially in oh, comedy course. when you miss like a good opportunity for a joke, and you're like, why didn't I say this? Yeah. Then, damn it. Yeah. So Rob and that's my favorite scene. Yeah. It's a good one.
2: Uh I loved uh Jack Jack Black. Any scene where Jack Black was just snapping on people in yeah, the record store is pretty good too. And he,
0: th- he was such a like great balance character those (laughs) other two and it was like it was almost too much it was like it was if he would have gone any further (laughs) he would have been like this guy's a fucking ham yeah half yeah but jack black's just like no like he he was right where he needed to be every time and it was like that that guy exists in this world and he and he's the perfect like Fodder. example of that yeah.
2: yeah yeah he's the right amount of
1: spiced ham <clears throat>
0: they wrote yeah. it with
1: him in, in mind um but they also Artie Lang was was originally supposed to play him or they wanted him as well okay are you sure Artie could have worked yeah. yeah I feel like they they did they did a good job with I think I can't see anyone else besides Jack Black pulling that one off no no way and to this level I think it was a, a good job. And this was
2: right when Jack Black's star was, he was ascending.
1: Right, right. This is right. I think this was the first time I recognized. Like, I, I think I saw him and really liked him.
2: Because Tenacious D was performing around L.A. around this time, mm-hmm. and he was bubbling up in the comedy scene. But he wasn't. Well, they had uh, the
0: HBO show at that time. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah.
1: Gotcha.
2: Yeah, but he wasn't the like mega star yet. Yeah. This this role I think propelled him forward but he had such witty uh ro- just zingers he's just yeah. roasting everybody that comes in that store that's a um,
0: cosby sweater yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: oh yeah pre-controversy yeah, missing yeah the cosby sweaters yeah what does he say we, we don't have the record go to the mall we have the, his delivery is awesome
0: <laughs> do you even know your daughter yeah like, <laughs> is she, is in she in coma? a coma <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> yeah he's he's the perfect and i
1: think well, you know Sort of piggybacking on what Jim said earlier, uh I think the comedic undertones in this movie really helped with the pacing as well, because if this was a dramatic film, it would have seemed every bit of two hours. Yeah. But the fact that there was underlying comedy and like little quip scenes and it was you know, it definitely helped it. Yeah, I would have
2: watched uh this as a also as a sitcom just around that record store. I feel I like have that been, that it would have made be a, cool a, a solid series. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure
0: somebody pitched that.
2: And I wanted more, I think, if they... Re-
0: They're rebooting it. Are yeah. they? With Zoe Kravitz as the Rob character.
2: Sure, it's supposed to come out in 2020.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: What's it called? High Fidelity. Is it really? <laughs>
0: yeah. Jeez. It's creative. of yeah. higher fidelity. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The most high fidelity. <laughs> high five. But, uh, yeah, I would I, have... I wish that they'd actually had the uh, fourth member. Uh, the, there was that uh, the black man who came in. Who was oh, yeah. Them and, like, you know... Um, who they clearly were all friends with because... Right. they were just like, came and went. Yeah. Oh, the like, dude from the Swingers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was like, give that guy some more yeah. stage time in this.
0: Yeah, he, so. he, would, he would have done great balance-wise as well.
1: Yeah. I feel like he was in a sitcom that revolved around a record store at some point. I, actually, he was in something. Yeah.
2: Uh, this record store didn't play any hip-hop. This Mm-mm. movie is very... It felt very...
0: Um, Absent of hip hop, yeah. Besides the beatdown scene, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Absent
2: of hip hop, absent of. Uh, I feel like it could have used if they remade this today. There could be a couple more uh, people of color. Yeah, you know, there was a. There's of course well, Lisa Binet. You know, Chicago. Chicago's super white.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they could have had some Latin. If Chicago camps. didn't get black people until 2005. Yeah, not yeah. A lot of when, Kanye, not when
1: Kanye came over yeah, yeah, and yeah. the new common, uh-huh. not common sense, right. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, uh, 2000. I
0: w- it's funny too. I was, cause I was watching this with my, uh, lady and yeah. she is a little older than me. And this was, but this was like, you know, super relevant in her world as well. And she worked at a record store. She mm. was a DJ in Fresno and worked at tower records for years. So she knew a million Robs, Oh sure. <laughs> but like still like the movie. hmm. But never really made. I I wanted to ask her, like, how many Robs did you date? <laughs> but then I kind of didn't want to know how many Robs too many
2: Robs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. And then you're like,
0: "Am I a Rob?" I'm like, "Am no, I, I Rob?" N- I know there was at least one Rob. <laughs> yeah. That that was like her her ex. That was a very like, uh, flagpole, ten pole, whatever you want to call it, like benchmark X. Yeah. But I didn't know if there was like you know. I feel like those are the uh, Robs and those guys were the guys that kind of swarmed her when she was younger.
2: Well, Robs don't leave their own town. No. They're townies. So once you leave wherever you were, I mean, I guess there's Robs that, there's a provincial Robs wherever you go.
0: Provincial Robs. So this Rob's a a nester.
2: Yeah. Local Robs. (laughs) Local Robs. Townie
1: Rob. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They're townies wherever. Sure. Sure. No matter of whether whether it's a big city or not or small town. Yeah. You're sure. still a town.
2: But if you've left your town, yeah. you're probably not the rob. Yeah. You know. That yeah. automatically makes you non-rob. Got it. That's true. You might be an Ian.
1: <laughs> you sure. probably are. We we are <laughs> we are all Ian.
0: <sighs> I feel like she did have there it was funny we went back to Fresno and she just kind of like messaged a couple friends that she had <laughs> worked with and known and like one of the guys from Tower Records that never moved away ended up showing up and he showed up by himself and I, I don't know if he didn't know that like she was you know had a, a boyfriend or like that. <laughs> I was going to be there but it, it was like one of those things where I was just like oh he came out like kind of hoping
2: yeah yeah. And he I brought his like, bottle of wine he yeah, it was, wasn't that bad, I, this guy sounds like, like he
1: was ripping fr- like gravity bong hits before he came out
0: he remind he he gave off more of a um, dick vibe than Rob or Barry. <laughs> he oh would really? Ah, uh, like yeah, that guy.
2: Oh uh, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, well, if you want to talk about it, uh, yeah. that's cool. I can. I'm gonna see uh, uh, Barry tomorrow. Anyway, we got some things to talk about. So <laughs> maybe uh, we I can talk about the thing with you with him yeah. then. If that's cool or Just yeah. hang
1: out and listen to some b-sides
2: Are you gonna, oh wow, so how are you organizing these? Oh, I love that scene. Um, It's not alphabetical <laughs> What is it? Is it chronological? <gasps>
1: autobiographical That made no sense to me wow. Autobiographical, personally autobiographical I mean, I get it, but good god
2: That's how I organize my books
1: I mean, <laughs> but that makes sense, because you write yeah, <laughs> the student doesn't yeah. make music; he just listens to. It. I was thinking about that too to when I
0: rewatched it. I'm like, well, it would still have to be chronological if it was autobiographical. Yeah, wouldn't that be the same? Yeah, because you wouldn't put something from your 20s far away from something from middle school, even if they're. I don't know. I mean, well, I, I just don't even think it's possible.
1: There's no way <laughs> you're that on point. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Like, not, All right, not well I don't
0: like this movie anymore. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, now, now it's taking me out. Of well, it. I
2: just don't like that he stacked his records up because it's going to really ruin the it's groove. Me, the pressure is going to ruin the groove.
0: <laughs> I do love listening <laughs>
1: to records, though, still more than any other form.
2: I like that snap crackle pop.
1: Yeah, it's the best. This in 2000, when this movie came out, there was 943 million CDs sold that year in in America. Whoa, that's a lot.
2: Yeah, this this movie is the death nail of like uh, Generation X yeah. aesthetics. I I feel it's the it's the end because like right after this, uh, 2001 we have 9/11. Uh, The slacker generation it's it's kind of a wrap. You know, um, Bush comes in. Uh, More Hummers, more SUVs.
0: Yep.
1: Nobody now gives a shit about the perils of the straight white male. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That dude's (laughs) gone. Well, the the ones that do are Pepe's. Yeah.
2: So back then you could be, uh, you could talk about, you know, you could woe is me yourself as a straight white male and sort of be liberal. But now yep, it's that's true. It, uh, yeah. And sort of, I mean, I remember vintage clothing, like, does anybody care about vintage clothing anymore going out and
0: I still enjoy a, a little hunt as yeah. well. So, do, so does, but I would say my uh, partner does too. But she's of that age. Mm-hmm. It's still fun. I think people are still doing it, but they're they're like, I buy vintage clothing, and you're like, that's a starter jacket I wore in ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's a Charlotte's Hornet jacket. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> yep.
2: Everyone's got that. So we've got to wrap this up. But uh, final thoughts on this film uh, for me are: I think this is just a great uh, example of like sort of Gen X uh, cinema. Um, and it's a really cool, uh, it's a really cool time capsule for like this, the end of an era where you could chain smoke inside yeah. and people were listening to records and what was life like before cell phones? Cause they've still got to pick up the answering machine messages in this. Yep. And, uh, it's a great John Cusack performance that calls back to his earlier work. Like it constantly references, um, uh, visually things that were happening and like say anything. Uh, and uh, john cusack is my favorite actor to watch wet in the rain (laughs) he's always yelling at women (laughs) (laughs) in the rain he can't get enough of it he's like the aquaman of cinema i
0: wonder if it's just because uh most people look just look so gross when they're wet (laughs) and then they found john cusack and he got he would like get got out of a pool and and we were like he doesn't look that bad when he's wet yeah. He's presentable. Yeah, we gotta, we got to drown this guy in every movie. <laughs> Capitalize
2: on that. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, give, so I give this movie um, uh, 10, uh, 10 movie soundtracks out of – well, no. Let's, I'll, I'll give it 9 movie soundtracks out of 10. So as a movie to watch if you're a, a young man or if you care about going back into the 90s and seeing what life was like, even though it came out in 2000. What like nineteen nineties aesthetic was? Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it was okay to watch now. To watch as a <laughs> to watch it as a gr- a grown man, I'll give it like a, a seven out of ten movie soundtracks.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty great to rewatch because it's been a couple years.
1: Yeah, uh, you guys have any closing thoughts on this movie? Um, when I first saw it when I was twenty, I. I empathized with the character a lot more than I do now. Um, I would never have categorized this as a period piece, but it very much <laughs> is. Oh, yeah. You know,
0: it definitely. Um,
1: so, I mean, re-watching it, I mean, you're just going to have a different take, you know, uh, from 20 till, you know, 40. You've become more emotionally tenderized.
0: That means. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, it's watch. I mean, it's, it's watchable. It's good pacing. There's good comedy. And the writing's solid. Cusack's always fun to watch in these sort of mopy rolls mopy emo rolls mm-hmm. um i'd give it uh i don't know 6 6 or 7 cosby sweaters <laughs> <laughs> If that's okay to say we can just edit that out if it's problematic
0: i mean if you're ba- you're basing it off the co- the, the dr reference. cosby character correct
1: his daughter was in the movie yeah, yeah. his right. his movie do- his tv his, daughter his tv or daughter.
2: Or daughter sorry yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, Jimmy, have, does it hold? What are you thinking? Does it hold up? I mean, for it you? Hold,
0: it it holds up. Uh, like, I, I see a lot of different things in it now that I didn't see before. Obviously, uh, and it holds up structurally and aesthetically. It's pretty great, and there are st- a, still a lot of things in there. Like, you know, we make fun of like how much of an asshole Rob was and all that stuff, but there's definitely a lot of stuff in there that's Emotionally relevant, no matter yeah what year it is or what gender you are. There's some really good like breakup, you know, notes in there where it's just like, yeah, that Nick Hornby has a knack for yeah that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a good movie to watch if you're if you're going through a breakup yourself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, good good life lessons. Uh, Jim, where can people find you?
0: Um, I live in Ridgewood. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me online dot I do stand up All over the city uh, I travel From time to time I'm not going out of town Too much until the end Of the year But um, Yeah I put a bunch of stuff online Follow me on Twitter Follow me on Instagram
2: Yeah And I'm looking forward To hearing your new album When it comes out man
0: Thanks Yeah that'll probably Be like February
2: Yeah And you got a great podcast too
0: Yeah, I haven't done it in a while. (laughs) But there's plenty of archives. Uh, An interview with you is among those archives. You know what? Uh, It's called Quitting Comedy.
2: I had people come out to a show because they heard me on Quitting Comedy. Sure. So your podcast influences the world.
0: I I have, like, seriously, I slowed down on it because I have, like, 150 listeners. Yeah, but they are
2: an influential 150 listeners. Well, that's good to hear. (laughs) Okay, it only took 300 Spartans, all right, to repel the hordes. That's true. All right. So uh that's it for today's podcast thank you so much for listening to eat pray judge please rate review and subscribe and uh tell your friends because that's the only way we get new listeners is when you spread the word and if you uh start leaving us positive reviews we will read those online uh this is Gabe pacheco and i love you bye feel, on you take your group to be the deal. the seat. I made her eat my meat while I was rubbing her coochie. Injection in a topping, bottom, look straight from a booty. Now ray, blow me, Fosolati not high. I'm telling the truth. You sucking your tooth. You freaking her like a boy, like a figaro. And hearing bone from dropping her off to taking her home. She tried to pull my rubber off with her pussy muscles. That was wrong. The bitch is no good, like this begins with no tongue. You fucked around and knocked her up, and now you say she's the one. thinking you dumb. You should have pulled it out and squirted it on her eyelash, and let her face be holding the baby. Now she after your ass. Here, I told. Y'all niggas by goddamn taking them hoes to the cheesecake cake factory. Letting them
1: hoes order strawberry lemonade. A-